Hey, opportunities for us to celebrate our 35 years together as a church. We're so excited to be able to do this on, on September 3rd, and we need your help. We've been asking for it. Right below me, you're gonna see a QR code and Wes's email and opportunities for us to contribute pictures from all of our 35 years. So if you've got something that you think would be a blast for us to see in our 35 years of history, we'd love for you to be able to get that to us. It would be terrific. And then also we want you to be aware that together we're gonna to be celebrating on the 3rd of September, one service, 10 a.m., food galore as we celebrate our 35 years together. Come, bring your friends and join in the celebration. Here's to 35 years and 35 more years more. Thanks, have a great Sunday. So you may be saying to yourself, self, who's that guy with the blonde hair who was just on the screen and now is right in front of you right now? Yeah, so good morning everybody. Steve Osborne's my name part of the pastoral staff. Good morning. If you are joining us online, we're super grateful for that. We just want you to know that here at church, it's sunny and uh, beautiful, actually. Don't really know what's happening in your world, but here, you know, the Lord is smiling on us. So, so, I, so Ryan is Dom, and I'm Ryan. And anyway, so we're doing a lot of pivots this morning, but it's really good to be, be with you. And believe it or not, in all this kind of mugginess and humidity and once in a whatever storm that we're in right now, and I know it's going to hit. I, I know it's going to hit. But we are also ramping up for the fall, and part of that ramp up is uh, both, as you just heard, an opportunity to celebrate, but also to begin to, to join together in some groups. And so if you are new or newer to Seacoast, we would love to make your acquaintance. We've pivoted from outside to inside with our guest services. So right over back here in the corner, you're going to see our guest services. We'd love to make your acquaintance, help you navigate this place any way that we can we can serve you and get you connected around here and speaking of that connection and opportunities coming up this fall you join what you can join with us if you are new or newer to Seacoast we think one of the best places that you can start in community with one another is to join us in Rooted and so Rooted is going to begin be beginning right here on campus during the second hour on October 1st great opportunity for you to connect with other people and to go deeper both in the scriptures and in a relationship with other people and I'm just going to pause here for a second because there are in kind of events like we're in right now, doesn't it just make you appreciate the community that you have, right? Like you have people and when you think about all the stuff that they're predicting or could be happening and you watch people on the news with sandbags and all that kind of stuff and you think to the degree that you think I have people I could actually call, right? You're in community with one another and it's priceless, isn't it? And so we just, we just think it's a great thing, and not just for the relational kind of thing. That is absolutely important, but because God changes our lives in the context of being with one another. So rooted, great opportunity. In addition to that, we also have lots and lots and lots of versions of groups, life groups, and so those signups are also right back here. You can see our teardrops back here, and we would love to, we would love to get you connected to one of those if you're interested, if there's any way that we can serve you and answer questions. We would love to do that. We're going to be ramping up, depending on the dates or whatever, but beginning really kind of in earnest on the 17th of September. So that's coming up. We would love to have you be a part of that. And then in addition to that, 
We have our 35th anniversary, right? And so you've heard about, you've heard about that, but we want to make sure you know a couple different things. One is one service, 10 a.m., right? So weird and then weird, okay? I'm just saying that. That's kind of weird, okay? And it's going to be sunny then too, people at home, okay? But yes, 10 o'clock, so it's going to be a little bit unusual. We are also going to be doing baptisms, and so if you would like to be baptized or if there's a person next to you that you need to elbow because they've been talking about it but haven't been baptized, we would love, we are going to include that in the service. Would you come up, find one of us, one of the pastoral staff or email us, and we would love to be able to get you ramped up for that as well. Okay, Roxanne, do we have one more? Yeah, thank you very much. I knew that we had, we had more. We're so excited that our women's ministry is going to be gathering again for their fall opportunity to study the scriptures together. You can see the dates right up here. But this has really been a fun thing for Debbie and me coming to Seacoast because we got the last little wave of it in the springtime before they took their summer hiatus. And it's amazing to see all these high-capacity women getting together, studying God's Word together. So they're going to be walking through Jen Wilkins. I'm a big fan of hers in her series on Sermon on the Mount. You can get more information at respond.church. Great, great opportunity for you to gather ladies with other, with other women in our church as well. So, and finally, we have an opportunity to actually uh, hear from some really good friends of mine, old friends. Well, they're not old. I'm old. But anyway, we've been friends for a long time. That's a bad way to say it, Bill. I'm sorry about that. But Bill and Melinda Buchanan were, were just one of the amazing reasons why it was so much fun for us to even consider joining the team here at Seacoast because Bill and I go back to college days. Yes. So seven years ago when we were in college at UCLA... We were kind of doing some damage together, and we actually served on Campus Crusader crew staff with Bill and Melinda, Debbie, and I did as well, and, uh, and they've just been a picture to me of what it looks like to give their lives away for the kingdom of Jesus, and they're going to share, be sharing a little bit of our story, because as we walk through this 35th anniversary, we're, going to, we're walking through together um, kind of the way that Seacoast is, is wired, home, family, movement, next generation. And so today we're talking about, about family, and I want to I invite you to, to look at the screens here and hear a little bit of their story. Buchanan, long-time part of our Seacoast family. And Bill and Melinda, we would love to hear from you a little bit of how you got to Seacoast and a little bit of where your family was at as you guys arrived here. Uh, I was, I got an opportunity with a new job down here in the San Diego area at the very end of 96, early 97. And so we had a young family and thought, let's go for it. And we moved the whole family down here uh, that first part of 1997. We've been married now 34 years. We have three boys. And at the time when we moved down here, they were five, three, and one. We um, first uh, found a number of other young families here when we started attending. A number of those families had a real intentional heart for ministry and walking with God and um, we could sense that just as we were getting to know families on the plaza. 
And so that was very attractive to us. And of course, we loved the, the teaching and the worship experience. But we just thought this could be a church we should try for a while at least. And that helped get us going. Mm -hmm. I found community at Mops at the time, which was a great spot for me to meet other moms. And um, we also got involved in a small group shortly after we landed here with other young couples who were in similar stages of life, who also had a heart of wanting to just uh, walk with Jesus and invest their lives in others. Mm -hmm. So that was a great place for us. We're still learning how to be a married couple and parent these little guys, and we needed help. We needed outside help from other families doing it just to learn how are you living out your faith in this, and how are you learning to be a good husband for me or a good wife. Um, and so it was just so life-giving to be in a small group of people that were authentic, and we could share challenges and, and heart hard things with one another and that was really instructive for me to learn how to be a good husband and a father just to have other guys that were being good fathers to model that to me. Coming alongside other couples where we could be undone and in process and say it didn't go so well this week and then say yeah of course you're still learning it's okay let's try again provide accountability or just instructing us in how Jesus can make a difference in this parenting and marriage the thick of it phase that we were in I think we we also went through a real hard year in 2011 um, our boys were two were in high school one was in middle school and uh, that year our middle son Andrew had an outpatient surgery procedure that went wrong and almost lost uh, the bottom half of his leg. He was in the ICU for nine days and uh, it was a scary time. And um, so he recovered well, but during that time, the body of believers here really surrounded us and cared for us, prayed for us, encouraged us. And then that summer in July, Melinda was diagnosed with um, almost stage four, it was stage three C ovarian cancer. And that was very challenging. Mm -hmm. and scary. Mm -hmm. And the community here just provided us, they were the hands and feet of Jesus for us, big time. And I cried a lot with them. We cried a lot with them. Um, they brought us meals. They did our laundry. They met with me, prayed with me weekly, consistently. And they were the people that shouldered those hardships, both with our kids and with us, as we walked through life, through the easier times and through the really hard times. I had guys praying with me and helping me just navigate what was next. I'm trying to care for Melinda, obviously, but also with the boys. And I counted up, we received over 100 meals that, during that season from the family of Seacoast. Um, <clears throat> I came from a home where my mom was married and divorced three times, and I didn't want to repeat that in, in our marriage, in our life. And <clears throat> so as we grew in learning how to be a married couple and being parents, uh, and God blessed us through that, through Seacoast, um, now we make it through those years where we launch the boys and they're adults living life on their own. It's, that was so life-giving, and so many of those couples and families are still at Seacoast that we did life with. 
we've now just loved the opportunity to be those mentor couples with those young couples that are either new to the marriage or new to parenting. And we just love being a part of any way God wants to use us to be a mentor or an advisor or a cheerleader for them. And so we've been intentional about trying to pursue that. Um, whether it be serving in kids ministry, just to help, because we know that's a nice break that a parent gets on a Sunday morning, but to love on their kids while they're enjoying worship. Those moments of watching other people, the light bulb goes on, or they see God show up as, they, as they've taken a step of faith, those are so worth it. <laughs> and I think that's what we long to see more and more, and that's what motivates us to keep investing in those that are the younger generation or that have kind of walked are walking through what we've already gone through is we've seen God show up we've seen him be faithful in our lives and in others lives and I think that that gives us the motivation to say you can do it hang in there God will be faithful God will show up we'll walk with you for this 35th anniversary of Seacoast the underscore is great is his faithfulness mm -hmm. and so thank you guys for your faithfulness as you've lived out his faithfulness mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. at seacoast all these decades mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. thank you all right yeah very great uh, story thank you for sharing it and thank you for being a part of seacoast for all these years and a couple things that I love um, hearing that is that's really what the church is. You know, there's times when we are the ones who can give, and there's times you might be on the receiving end. And most of us actually are, have an easier time giving than receiving, don't we? Yeah. But actually, there's, that's what family is. That's what church is. And so thank you for modeling that well and continuing to invest. The other thing I love is that they continue, um, Bill and Melinda, that's who I'm pointing to, by the way, if you're on. <laughs> Um, continue to invest, and, and that's what we want to be as a church. So um, we're going to continue on with our morning, uh, 35th anniversary this uh, month that we are celebrating, and, and this such today our theme, we have our three big themes of home family movement, and today is we're a family of disciples being transformed by the good news of Jesus. That's who we want to be. Yep. And uh, so, uh, and one thing we've been doing during this 35th is I thought it'd be really fun to that you would hear, we've had three lead pastors in 35 years at the church. Two old guys. <laughs> I didn't say it. Maybe, but, working, you know, on, maybe working on three. But yeah, yeah, you know. Um, but anyway, so, and, and so it, I thought it'd be really <laughs> fun to, that we could hear from each of them. And last week we heard from our founding uh, pastor uh, on, through video. Yep. And uh, Dale... Uh, you were second in line, and, and the cool thing is you're still here, and you're still yeah. part of our, our church family, and which yeah. is unique, and it's fun, and it's cool. So just tell us a little yeah. bit about, just remind us, especially those who are new, how you got here. And Well, I'll give you the short version because yeah. I want to teach uh, the Word here <laughs> this morning. But yeah, I was, uh, I had just, I was pastoring for 15 years uh, up in Fullerton, California at a church called the Evangelical Free Church of Fullerton, um, had a great uh, time there, but during that time, um, I began to do some leadership training with pastors, and the church, because it was very missions-oriented, sent me to Rwanda. And while in Rwanda, uh, starting on the 10th anniversary of their genocide, if you've seen the movie Hotel Rwanda, uh, the church was exploding, God was working, uh, but 90% of their pastors have no training. So anyway, the, the church sent us over there. We began to do some leadership training out of God's word. 
And my heart began to shift from just being a, a pastor of a local church to also spending more time equipping pastors and, and trying to figure that out because I, I had a lot to learn. But uh, it came to a point where we felt led by God to resign. Um, and uh, toward the end of 2010, we announced our resignation to start a nonprofit called Leverage Leadership to help uh, fund training pastors in mostly Africa at the time. The week before that was announced publicly, word leaked out through someone to the leadership at Seacoast. And I got this phone call from one of the Seacoast elders, and they said, hey, Dale, we've heard that you're resigning to help churches and pastors uh, in the U.S. and overseas. And I said, yeah, you're not supposed to know that. But anyway, they said, well, can we have lunch? We'd like to talk to, with you about our church. And Seacoast was going through its own transition at the time, uh, and they were trying to set new course, new vision, so we had a delightful lunch. Uh, they fed me, which was a good start. And, uh, and, and what we did was we, we prayed about it and decided, hey, why don't you take one year and help us uh, do a reset? I think it might have been Bill Buchanan or his buddy Frank or one of them said, think of us like this. Think of us like a 200-member congregation that already owns a building on the 5 freeway. And, and we want to start fresh, learn from our past, but set a vision for the future. I love that humble attitude, to be honest. So um, after praying about it, we decided, okay, for the next year, while we're getting the nonprofit started, we will come to Seacoast. So we came, started preaching three out of four Sundays. The church started growing. It was encouraging. We fell in love with this place, and we fell in love with the people. And um, it took about six months to get kind of a reset on the vision, and, um, and then they wanted me to stay until they found a new senior pastor. Uh, at the end of resetting the vision, the church approved it, the elders came to Becky and I and said, well, before we start looking for a new senior pastor, we've got an idea, and that is, why don't you just take the position and stay here and move here, because we were commuting down from Orange County. So... We said we would with two caveats or two conditions. One is, uh, at the time I was age 57, I said, I don't think you need a 57-year-old guy right now. You need a younger guy. So the first condition is, my first assignment as your new pastor will be to find my replacement. And, uh, and secondly, that we can continue to develop the training in Africa. They were cool with both of those. So by God's grace, we packed up, sold our house, moved down here, and uh, love, uh, love it. Uh, that was 2011, August 2011, I began to serve as a senior pastor. Um, started immediately finding out who's out there, and I knew Ryan because he had been on our youth staff at Fullerton, where I was serving for 15 no, years. No, I was in the youth ministry. He, he was, was, yeah. <laughs> And, and Ryan, to be honest, discipled my future son-in-law, so he had been vetted very carefully, okay? Uh, and uh, so I contacted Ryan, found out he was willing to consider the position. We had lunch, 
at uh, which 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 yeah. or is there, I don't think right. it's there anymore. kind of an yeah. evil sounding name but it's just a sandwich place but yeah but as we sat and talked I told Ryan I said I'm not just looking for an associate pastor I'm looking for a guy that Lord willing might grow into the job because my vision long term is to get back to training pastors in Africa and the rest is history and uh, in 2016 uh, we switched roles one Sunday, the congregation approved it, and we, I became his assistant pastor for a couple years, and then I phased out and became a, a missionary of our church. So we are honored and blessed to be able to, to be here and to serve under your leadership, seriously. Uh, thanks for giving me Hurricane Sunday to preach on. <laughs> we you always know. go, okay, what's the one? Yeah, yeah what's the people, Sunday that everybody, but yeah, you know, no pe coming. but yeah. people came out because I think on Hurricane Sunday, you want to make sure you're right with God. <laughs> That's my theory. That's so you got right. a great crowd, whether you're with us online, yes. uh, just know that what Steve say, the sun is out, yeah, at, least, right. at least in our heart. That's right. There you well, go, let so. me pray for you as we transition into the message. God, we thank you so much. For Dale, and I thank you uh, just for the history again of, of Seacoast, and mm -hmm. that we all build on the past and what the decisions that were made, and you've been faithful, and you continue to be. And so we thank you for that, and we just pray now, open our hearts to your word and to what you have for us to learn. We thank you and give you mm -hmm. this time. Amen. 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 I think, actually, I think Ryan uh, and Lydia, I think they brought out the A-team this morning, actually. Amen. Yeah. So open your Bibles. Let's go to the Word of God. Go to 1 Peter, please. 1 Peter chapter 1 and chapter 2. We're going to do a fairly long passage, but a quick overview to get the big idea of it this morning. Because this morning is about celebrating here at Seacoast this concept of God's faithfulness for 35 years. But the idea that we want to be, uh, yeah, we want to be a home for the lost and wondering. We want to be a family of disciples that are growing together in response to God's grace, in response to the good news of the gospel. So let's pray. Father, teach us today from your word. You're the one that has the wisdom, not us. You're the one that has the, uh, uh, the guidance for your church. It's not our church. It's never been our church for 35 years. It's been your church. And we serve under you, Lord Jesus, and for you. So teach us today about what it means to be a family being transformed. In Christ's name, amen. What is it that gets you out of bed on a, any Sunday, for that matter? If you live in beautiful Southern California, you got the beach, you got the surf, you've got the bed to stay in. You got a day off. Why bother to even go to church? Why do we do church? I mean, I understand why we do Jesus, because without Jesus, we are hopeless. Uh, we are helpless. We need his love, his forgiveness, his care. But you know, you can get that on the beach, sitting in your beach chair. So I give up the beach chair for the church chair. Why do we do what we do? How would you answer that if someone asked you? Because if your answer is, well, I, they've been doing that for centuries, so I guess that's what I ought to do. 
I think there's more for us this morning as we listen because God is going to answer this morning the question why and why it's really, really crucial. And I know maybe for an occasional Sunday you got to stay home and you got to dial in and watch it online, but why be gathered? Why have small groups? Why have rooted? Why have those groups that Bill and Melinda talked about in their story? Why do we do this? Why come together as family when we could just stay home and have a little private time with God? Listen to God's word. He's going to tell us because in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, he tells us the incredible, awesome uh, blessing of knowing Christ. He lays that out in the first part of chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, he says this to them as people who have been, as he says in verse 19, bought with the precious blood of Christ, the lamb unblemished, spotless, the blood of Christ. Verse 24, he has foreknown us before the foundation of the world. He's appeared in these last times. And then in verse 22, that's where I want to go. He says, since this is true of you, since you have in obedience to the truth, you've heard the truth and, and come to have faith in it. In this case, the word obedience really means you, you've obeyed God's call and come to faith. That's what he's talking about. Since in obedience to the truth, you purified your souls, you're forgiven, you're cleansed for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart, for you have been born again spiritually, not of seed that is perishable, but of imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God. And jump ahead with me. And then he says, but the word of God endures forever, and this is the word which he has preached to you. What's he teaching us first? What he says is this, you have been born into a family. That when you come to Christ, you are not just born, you're born into family. You're not born as an orphan, you're born into family. You are family of believers born to love one another. That's the first big idea. In fact, he repeats it a couple of times. He says, you, you've been purified the word for the purpose of, of loving one another. And he actually uses the Greek word phileo, which means to love like a brother. He's emphasizing the family side of this love relationship with one another that we have. But then he says, after he says, you have a sincere love, phileo, brotherly love for one another, he says, therefore, and he says, fervently love one another, and he actually switches the Greek word to the word agape, which means to, to have the love modeled by God that is unconditional, not connected with because somebody earns it, but because you are knowing Christ and you are family and you love one another with his unconditional love fervently. So the big idea is this. Jesus says, hey, this is vital to following me. You know, remember earlier when Jesus was about to die on the cross, he met with his followers and he said, hey, by this men will know you are my disciples because you love one another. Interesting, because I would have thought, by this men will know you're my disciples because you love me. And that's true too, by the way. But he says, no, 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 they're going to know you're my disciples, not because you love me, but because you actually love one another. And it's those relationships 
that exist in the family of God that are model, modeling the love of God to our lost world. So first big idea is this. When you come to Christ, know that we are, you're joining one family that is born to love one another. But there's more. You're joining one family that is born to grow by feeding on the word together. Follow with me now. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, it's what, what flows out of this. Therefore, putting aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, faking it, um, putting aside all envy and slander, like newborn babes, babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow, there's our word, grow in respect to this salvation if you have tasted the kindness of God. So what he's saying is we are motivated if we have tasted the kindness of God. If you've experienced, oh my gosh, God loves me in spite of all my messiness. God still loves me, and you taste the kindness of God. If you've tasted the kindness of God, then he says you need to, together, uh, you're, you're, you're going to long for the pure milk of God's word, like a, like, a, like a newborn baby longs for his mother's breast. Yeah, back then they didn't have formulas, so that's what he's talking about. He's talking about you long for your mommy's milk as a baby. You know, we've seen babies, right, in action. I mean, I've seen babies almost undress their mother in church, right? I mean, say, hey, mom, it's time. I don't care. Dale's going too long on this sermon. It's mealtime. Okay, whatever. When a baby longs for that word, you can't stop him. He wants to eat now. He wants to drink of mom's milk and grow and be nourished by this incredible gift of God's that God gives to a mother. And, and, and he says that's how we're to desire God's word. But notice the context is we're not just long for the pure milk of the word by yourself. In fact, he begins with this strange list of, okay, therefore, put aside what? He says, put aside malice and deceit. Don't, 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 don't want to hurt each other. Don't lie to each other. Don't be hypocrites. Don't envy one another or slander or gossip about each other but then like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word so what he's saying is this we not only are to be in the word of god we're in the word of god with other people because that's the only reason he would mention by the way quit being malicious and gossipy and envious and no 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 just together get in the word and that's why I can tell you right now that both Rooted and our life groups are word-centered. It's not just about just hanging out together. It's about being in the word together. And, and we're made for that as family because that's how we grow. And even though, even though doing it with other people might get a little messy at times because sometimes you say, I don't know if I even like that person. But, you know, we're both followers of Jesus. We're in this group together. We're in the Word together. Get over it, you know, because we can help one another grow. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, it says in Scripture. That's what he's talking about. We're in the Word together, even if it is messy. We're in it together because we've tasted of the grace of God. 
to grow in respect to our salvation. And then he goes on with this idea of togetherness. But he switches metaphors from being born into a family to, well, just listen, you'll get it. Verse 4. And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is actually choice and precious in the sight of God, he's referring to Jesus. Jesus is referred to later in the passage as the chief cornerstone of the house of God. Picture that. The cornerstone is the stone that everything else rests on. Okay? It's the stone that has to be perfect and laid perfect and everything rests on it. And Jesus is the head of the church, the cornerstone of God's spiritual house. But listen what you are and what I am. He says, coming to him as the living stone, verse 5 now, you also as living stones, plural, are being, you're being built up as a spiritual house. We're not talking physical buildings here. As a spiritual house, why? For a holy priesthood. See, what did priests do back in the day when this was written? What priests did was they were like the intermediaries that took normal people and helped them understand and connect to God. Okay, they were... They were the in-betweens between people and God. Now, we learn that Jesus, as the great high priest now, brings us directly to God. So you no longer need a priest. But in reality, every follower of Jesus Christ is actually referred to as a priest. You're a saint. You're a priest. Why? Because you now help people connect to a holy God. You're the intermediary. So we're able to do that. We're like living stones in this house that Jesus is the cornerstone. We're being built up into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, verse 5, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. These are not things we do on our own. Christ gives us abilities, gifting, resources, talents, and now we have the chance to together worship God by offering him our, our everything, offering him our anything he's offered to us. We can now give it back to him. That's what worship is about. Worship, by the way, when you come to what we call a worship service, some people maybe on a certain Sundays walk away and say, you know, you know, Dale, I'm not sure I got a lot out of that. Well, guess what? Real authentic worship is really not first about getting anything. It's about coming into the room to gather to give. To give praise, to give prayer, to give your heart, to give your mind, to learn what it means to be a family of disciples who are together growing together. So he uses this metaphor of a, of a building. It's like we are the house of God. In other places, we are the body of Jesus Christ and individually parts of it. In this case, we are the, this holy house of God built on Jesus Christ, built on the gospel and the good news, and every one of us are like an important stone in the house. Now, every stone is a little different. They're not mass-produced cookie-cutter stones. They're all individually carved and crafted and shaped 
like the Buchanans mentioned in their story, shaped by life, shaped by your word, shaped by the ups and downs of everyday experiences. God's been shaping Becky and I for a bunch of years. Uh, by the way, you know, he uses marriage to shape you. Uh, I got to just brag on my wife here, okay? We just celebrated two days ago, uh, three days ago. I just about blew it. Three days ago now, okay, we just celebrated our 49th anniversary. To, yeah. <laughs> to which you all should say, you don't look that old. <laughs> but nobody said it. Okay, so that's because Becky's not up here with me, okay? Yeah, see, I married her at age 10. But anyway, not really. But you see what this says is we're like a, we're like a, a building being built up to God. So we're not just a family um, to be in the word. We are one family born to, as I say on the screen, to grow together, to be built into a, into a, a, a unit together and a unit that learns more and more about what it means to be in Christ we're born to grow, we're born to know who we are in Christ, and then we're born to go, which I'll show you in a minute. But listen to this next passage. I'll jump the middle part here for sake of time. It says, and this precious value then is for you who believe, verse 7. And he goes, he explains what he means in verse 9. So jump with me down to verse 9. But you are now a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Now that's an amazing list that we are born to grow together and you do that when you get connected. So you grow together as you get connected, but then you also uh, as you're connected and growing, you, you know who you are so that we can live out that new identity in Christ in verse 9. So as living stones, you're, you're, you're that incredible list. You're chosen by God. It's like he's adopted you into his family. He's chosen you, knowing everything about you. Can you imagine adopting someone into your family if you knew every bad thing they would ever do, every time they would tell you as they were growing up as teenagers, you are the worst mother or father. Or, you know, every teenager at one point in their life probably says something like, oh, I, I can't stand you. <clears throat> you know. And, and sometimes they do stuff that hurt hurts you. Uh, and, you know, we've all done it, right? Because we've been there. These, those of you that aren't teenagers yet, it's coming. If you, but God chose us knowing all of our sins. He still chose us to be his children. He not only chose us, but he gave us, he made us royalty with him. You are a chosen people. You are a royal race. You are a holy, look at this, a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. God wants you, chose you. 
Now you have purpose in life. Wow. See, being a follower of Jesus is about way more than figuring out the quickest route to heaven. It's about an incredible change of who you are while you're living on earth. See, we all know the crappy stuff about ourselves. God knows that. But he still calls you this incredible list. Chosen, royal, holy, people of God. And then he gives a little twist in verse 9. Always pay attention when you're studying God's word to these transition phrases. You are a chosen, royal, holy people for God's own possession so that... What's that tell you? What's the, what, what's the word so that mean? What's it tell you? Someone talk to me. It means what? Purpose, I heard. Yeah. What's the purpose for this? So that. What's the result? What's supposed to flow out of this amazing gift of the gospel, of God's grace, that he died for my sins and rose from the dead, and, and then he chose me to be one of the living stones in his master plan for his building. I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm connected up with others in the body of Christ. I'm drinking of the word of God so that I'm growing. Why? Again, we come back to what's the purpose? So that, and I love this next phrase. Listen to it. So that you may... Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. In other words, the final point really of this passage is that not only are we born into a family to learn to love, not only are we born into a family to grow through his word and feed on the word together, especially in the groups that you're going to sign up for hopefully after church today, but we are born to connect to something much bigger than us. We're to proclaim him, to engage in his mission, to engage in his mission. You know, and what I'm saying, and actually, I jumped over a, a statement that, that they probably had up behind me and I didn't even know it, but what I'm saying is this. Let's go back to that statement. What we're learning is that following Jesus is not just a me and God thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a God and we thing. It's not just God and me, it's God and we. Christianity was never designed by Jesus Christ to be lived out as a solo follower of Jesus on your own. It's that but it's also to connect us. So it's a we thing, not just a me thing. But as we do that, we go and proclaim and engage in his mission. Verse 9 through 12. And I love this list too. There's a second little list. You can almost tell that Peter's getting a little out of control here. I mean, by the Spirit, of course. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit. But he's just like... Okay, man, I, how many cool ways can I say this? What do I mean by we proclaim? We proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You once had not received mercy. You were lost and guilty in your sins, but now you've received mercy. 
Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts that wage war in your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they might even slander you, they may, because of your good deeds, observe them and glorify God in the day of visitation. Proclaim his excellencies. What's that? Well, guess what? For most people on planet Earth today, they wake up every day and God is a mystery. God is a, well, I don't know, but I hope I have him figured out. But now the truth about God is out. It's out there for us. We actually can share the truth about the living God, about Jesus Christ, about who he really is, the excellencies of this incredible God and Christ. He is light for a world that was in darkness. Without him, you're probing in the dark. I don't know if we're going to lose power today or not, but I hate it when you lose power. My wife went around the house last night. What did she do? Did anybody else do this? She got a tray. And what's on the tray now? Yeah, candles and flashlights. And then we realize, oh, Shucks, we don't have any batteries, you know, the, so we're out of batteries. You got to run and buy the last few batteries, okay? You know, I, I think we got the last one, so don't go to Gelson's. I mean, yeah, but the bottom line is this. We buy batteries, we get our flashlights, we gather our candles. Why? Because I don't like darkness. I don't like darkness. That's how you get injured. No, I, wanna, I want some light in the room. See, People are trying to figure out life today. If you haven't noticed, Americans are confused about life, about every part of what, what life is about, from our sexuality to our, to our truth and, and what to our beliefs and our values. And what, you know, but Jesus Christ has turned on the light, and we get to share the light. We get to share his excellencies. We get to share the light to people in darkness. We need to tell people, guess what? If you want to find a people to connect to, you can be part of the family of God. Now, if God has a family, I don't know about you, but I want to in it. I'd rather be in his family than out of his family. That's what it means. You once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You once had not received mercy. You knew you were guilty and you lived with that every day, but now you've tasted the mercy, the kindness, the grace of the living God. Wow, that's exciting. So why? Why do we do church? It's so that we can be equipped to talk about Jesus. I like to close with this statement. We want to gossip the gospel in everyday life. We have a lot to talk about. The excellencies, the light, the mercy, the people of God. Just talk about it in casual conversation and tell people if you want to know how to find it, I'd love to have coffee with you and tell you my story. That's what Becky and I are doing. And you never stop doing it. You never outgrow the need to grow. Um, I'll come out of the closet here. I'm 69 years old, and I still need to be growing. Becky is much younger, 
but still needs to be growing. A little bit younger. Okay, a little bit younger, but still needs to be growing. By your help, what we're doing now is we are trying to go and proclaim that our audience now is often in Africa. But it's also across the street. It's also in our neighborhood. We need to gossip the gospel. Becky and I are focused right now, with your help, on a group of people called the 1040 Window, where there are 3.6 billion people who have never heard the gospel. If you want to know where it is on the map, it's in that box. You can picture it pretty easily. It's where the vast majority of unreached people are. Seacoast just dedicated a young couple to move to that window. So proud of them. What we're trying to do is build up the church that lives on the edges and within that window. Just got back from doing training in Ethiopia last year, where we train pastors who are crossing the border into Somalia and planting churches, one of the most unreached countries on the planet. We met Somalians who have come to Ethiopia, come to faith, and now are being trained to go back with the gospel and reach unreached people groups in Somalia. See, that's why we go to Africa, because Africa bumps up against this window. And Africa, by the way, has 209 million Christians, way more than the U.S. and Europe. So we're going to train the African church to turn them from being the mission field to being the mission force. Mission force. 